All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start unpackaging this Sunday and run all the way through the, uh, the end of January. We're going to talk about what is the kind of culture that we're after here. And, uh, and I want you to hear these. And, and more importantly, it's not just going to be up on a wall. This is about uh, how do we incarnate these things so that they become part of just the way we operate, like our default. You with me? Default. We don't have to think about this. It's just who we are, just how we do things. It's kind of like when I tell you, hey, if you're not a hugger, don't worry. We'll wear you down week after week, and you'll be hugging. You'll be hugging. Now, why is that the case? Because we don't teach people, like, this is how we hug around here at Living. No, we don't have, there's no course on it. You catch the environment because you've been hugged 95 times in the last three months, and you're like, man, that's a hugging church. Yeah, but everybody just does it because they drank the Kool-Aid, they're part of the culture, all right? Um, And that's just the way we roll. Here's the value, that we love people. We genuinely love people. And we hope that you feel that when you're in this environment. So let's talk about our first culture point. Our tribe, first culture point, is bold faith. Everybody say bold faith. We want to be, believe God for big things. Can I get an amen on that? Now listen, I'm talking about culture here. And if this is resonating with you and you're part of our tribe, it's always appropriate to say yes, amen, truth. All right, there we go. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. I love D.O. Moody. You know, I love people that were smart enough to think about what they were going to say right before they went home to be with Jesus. Did you ever think about that? Your family's gathered around, Hotam, all the little kiddies, and there you are, you're moments away from eternity, and you say the most profound thing you've ever said in your life. Think about it now, because you're going to need a lot of time on that, buddy, to try to come up with something. <laughs> now, some of you are saying, that wasn't very loving. No, that's his love language right there. I was speaking his love language. This is what D.L. Moody said when his children are all gathered around him. Isn't this cool? If God is your partner, make your plans big. If God is your partner, make your plans big. Can I just tell you that I believe that dreaming big and having big dreams honors God because, listen, God is a big God. So the bigger your dreams the more it honors God. And I'm talking about your dreams. It's not the American dream. It's not God, the magic genie. I'm talking about having kingdom dreams that God puts in your heart that involve his glory and involve touching people. Big dreams, dreams that honor God. If God's our partner, we should be thinking and dreaming about serious things, not praying little tiny dreams. Why, why do we want to try accomplishing things that are easy? Why do we want to do things that we could all get together in the strength of our own humanity and that we could maybe pull off? Um, no, that's not what we're talking about. I say this over and over again. The church is a supernatural gathering. Jesus is our supernatural risen king. You can't even become part of the church unless you've had a supernatural encounter with Jesus called being born again. Are you with me? This is our our follower walks on water and gets raised from the dead and calls dead things and tells them to come to life. I mean, you know, we're not following some sissy. We're following Jesus. He's awesome. He's huge. He's amazing. And I want you to understand Point number one, I'm giving you some bullet points under under bold faith. Point number one, bold faith is our reasonable response to the goodness and the greatness of God. Sometimes people think having bold faith means you're irresponsible, you're presumptuous, whatever. Uh, No, 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 couldn't be farther from the truth. Or that faith is somehow irrational. You know, we got facts and then we have faith. That's silly. If your faith is like jumping off a cliff into the dark, you know, then you got the wrong gospel. The gospel is about reasonable faith. What do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. 
If you understand the greatness of God and you understand the goodness of God, then you understand that God can be honored by great faith because he's powerful and he's good. In fact, William Carey said this, uh, the great missionary to India. He said, attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. Isn't that good? Attempt great things for God. What are we saying when we say attempt great things for God? Why do we want to attempt great things for God? Here's why. Because God is powerful. You believe for great things because you're aware of the greatness of God and the power of God. Look at the second part of that maxim. Expect great things from God. Why should we expect great things from the Lord? Here's why. Because God is good. You know, we sang about this morning. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. Do you believe that? Here's what happens. If you believe that, faith arises in your heart. If you believe it's a bad day and it's going to get worse, guess what will happen? It'll be a bad day. It's going to get worse. But if you believe you're going to see the goodness of the Lord, hope rises in your heart. Now, is this a fairy tale? Are we, is this just positive mental attitude stuff? No, for two reasons. Because God is good and because God is great. What is it that we teach our kids the earliest prayer right around the dinner table? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food, right? I always wanted to say, let, him, let us thank him for our food because it rises with good. But anyway, you know, you get the point. Two basic truths about God. He is good. He's powerful. He's great. He's worthy of our praise. Now, can I just tell you something? I have a burden in my heart, and you should too. We're living in a culture that's far from God. We're living in a culture that mocks God. We're living in a culture that views the church, all of you guys, as non-essential, basically deplorables. Okay, that's who you are, non-essential deplorables. We're living in a culture that elevates science to the place of God, not realizing that science is just people discovering the wisdom of God and the power of God and the law of God. So we worship, we worship the scientist, uh, and we worship all of this stuff, and nobody seems to care about God. Does that bother anybody besides me? Because you know what? Here's the deal. God is great, and God is good, and the response of God's people, like, this should be so countercultural, what we're doing right here today. In fact, it is. All of you are weird people, bunch of, bunch of science deniers. That's why you're here, science deniers. This should be a place that is so countercultural, people go, what is going on over there? You know what? This is the place where we believe God is really big and God is powerful and nothing is impossible with God and that we care about God's reputation more than we care about anybody else's reputation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And we're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's our identity. And it bugs me when there's not a sense in the church's heart that we need to demonstrate the greatness of God. Now, here's the thing. This church does not emphasize faith as something human beings work up. There are certain movements that put the emphasis on your faith. But I mean, you know, your faith is just a response to God's faithfulness. You can't have great faith if you have a tiny God. You can't have great faith if you believe the wrong things about God. You can't have great thing, faith if you never spend time with God. You can't have great faith if you haven't walked with God. How I many you know the longer you walk with God, the greater your faithfulness, your understanding of his faithfulness grows? You should not be getting older and shrinking in your faith. You should be getting older and growing in your faith because you have a history of the goodness and greatness and kindness of God. You have already seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so what do you do? You proclaim it everywhere you go. 
That's why the more history you have with God, the more faith you should have. But our faith isn't on me. It's not on you. It's on the fact that God is reliable and he's trustworthy and he's faithful. And can I just say this? Faith honors God's greatness. I remember one time we had a, a guest ministry in from Africa. Um, and he was upstairs in my office and we were sitting around the table with some of our staff and he had some of his guys with him. And my dad walked up the stairs and walked into the room. Every one of those men from Africa stood to their feet. And I'm looking around like, what happened? What happened? And, I, and then I realized they were standing up out of honor for my dad. My dad didn't ask them to do that. But they were honoring my father, and they were honoring who he is. They were honoring the God that he serves, and they were honoring the anointing on his life. And I realized at that point, I have been taking my father for granted because he's close to me. And I'm not paying attention to the fact that he's not just my father, he's my pastor. Now, I'm not sharing this for, for me this morning. Please don't get this right. I'm sharing this as a principle for God. I mean, you know, when we come together and the first note that comes out of our mouths as we're singing in praise is to honor with everything in us the greatness of God. It's to give him glory. Why do we stand to our feet? Because he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our passion. Why do we sing loud with passion? Because he's not worthy of half-baked worship. He's worthy of authentic worship. Why do sometimes we lay on our faces? Because the weight of his glory is heavy and we prostrate ourselves because we adore him. The word adoration means to kneel and to kiss the hand of. That's what we do when we worship God. It means we honor the greatness of who he is. And if you honor the greatness of who God is in your life, in your marriage, in your business, if you honor the greatness of God, if you'll fear the Lord, if you'll put him first, if you would rather die than displease the Lord, God will bless you and will demonstrate his power in your life and his faithfulness in your life. And you will have a testimony of God's moving in your life if you'll honor the greatness and the goodness of God. That's why. That's why. We are people of the word. If God says he loves something, we love it. If God says he hates it, we hate it. If God says do this, we do it. If God says don't do this, we don't do it. Why? Because how do we understand the goodness and the greatness of God? We, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're people of the word. At the end of the day, it's not about what everybody out there thinks about us. It's what God says is true. It's what God believes. God defines reality. Why? Because he's great. And because he's good, he's communicated that reality to us. Second thing I want to point out is bold faith is concerned about one thing, pleasing God. I want you to fast forward your life to the very end. You're standing before the Lord. I'm going to ask you this question. What question can be more important at that moment than this? Have I lived a life that pleased the Lord? I'm just asking, you know, the Bible says examine yourself. We don't want to be examined on that day. We want to examine our own hearts. I'm asking you this question. Have you lived a life pleasing to the Lord? And have you made pleasing God your number one perspective, your number one priority? Because you know what? The day is coming when nothing else will matter.
The Bible says this, it's impossible to please God without faith. Paul said, our aim is to please him always in everything that we do. So can I just tell you something? A bold faith church is not a church that cares about public opinion. I just need to say that again. I'm not saying we don't care about public opinion or we don't want people to like us or we don't want to have a good reputation. I'm saying this. Our primary concern is that we live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Not that I please the newspaper. That's not going to happen. Not that I'm pleasing the politicians. That won't always happen. Not that I'm pleasing to my neighbor across the street. Guess what? That won't always happen. We had a little thing here called a tent that we had in our parking lot in 30 days of worship. And guess what? A few of the neighbors didn't like it. We don't exist as the church of Jesus Christ to try to please 330 million Americans or 6 billion people on planet Earth. At the end of the day, you have one objective. Please the Lord. Honor the Lord. Now, God does say this. If you'll honor me, I'll give you favor with me and with men. So we're not trying to be obnoxious. But can I just tell you something? If you're going to be a church that moves in faith and you're worried about everybody else's opinion, God's opinion is somehow going to not take first place. I promise you. You will have other idols in your life and you'll be concerned about other things. So I just want to tell you, we never at this church ask this question. What will the neighbors think? What will the attorneys think? What will our insurance company think? I don't care what you think. I care about what God thinks about the situation. That's the only opinion that matters. The opinion of the Lord. Can I just tell you this? Unbelief is a great insult to God. This is what the Bible says about unbelief. Be careful. Be careful, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. Notice those two words paired together. Unbelieving is paired with evil. Can I just encourage you? We have got to fight a spirit of unbelief in our culture today. And I just want to tell you this too. The devil will work to rob you of your faith. When the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, what does that mean? It means the enemy is after one thing in your life. Your bold, reliant, humble dependence upon God. Your confident, bold expectation in the Lord. That's what he's after. Because if he can get you moving in unbelief, he absolutely neutralizes you. And he robs us of of our purpose, and he also, God gets robbed of his glory. Bold faith pleases God. Can I just encourage us? Let's be a church that the Lord says, I'm pleased with those people. I'm pleased with the way they stick their neck out. I'm pleased with the way they move forward. I'm pleased with the way they honor my word. I'm pleased with how bold they are. I'm pleased, you know, the Bible says that the righteous are as bold as a lion, but wicked people are afraid. They're always afraid of the what ifs. They're always afraid of what's going to happen. But the righteous are as bold as as a lion. That's why we sang roaring like a lion. The church needs to get its roar back. We're like a little putty cat right now. The church in America, putty cat. We got to get our roar back. We've got to let the lion of Judah roar through the church again. We've got to believe that we're essential. We have to believe that we actually contribute to the answers. We have to believe we serve a great God and a good God who's waiting to bless our nation and the world. Third point, bold faith goes first. 
Bold faith goes first. In Matthew chapter 14, we encounter this famous passage, you all know about it, Jesus walking on the water. Remember the story, Jesus says, guys, get in the boat, I'll catch up to you. The guys get in the boat, it's a terrible storm comes out of nowhere, massive waves, it's about three o'clock in the morning, they're trying to get across, they're not making any progress, and they all come to the conclusion, we're going to die. This is going to be our last boat trip together, we're going to die. All of a sudden, you know how the story goes, they look up. Something is walking on the water. Y'all remember that story? This is what they said, and I want you to see this. They don't recognize who this something or someone is, and they think it's a ghost. Now, let me ask you this question. Why is it that they think it's a ghost? They just were with Jesus. Why is it that they think it's a ghost? Here's why. They're not expecting Jesus, but they have great faith for the devil to show up. I know there are people who in the storms of life, they got no problem finding the devil. What they do have trouble is finding the Lord in the midst of the storm. In this situation, I'm asking this question, do you always expect the worst or do you expect Jesus to be with you in the storm? And you know the situation next, Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus says, y'all come, right? It's a southern translation. Y'all come. And here's the deal. We laugh at Peter. Oh, Peter, he got his eyes off Jesus. He sunk in the water. Unbelief, Peter. There's only two people we know of in all of human history that walked on water. Jesus and Peter. And when Jesus said to him, when they got back in the boat, oh, you have little faith, I don't think he was doing the tiss-tiss thing. I think he was laughing at him, just like on that video with the coach. Jesus gave him a big hug. Oh, Peter, come on, dude. Don't you know who I am? Come on, you started off so well. It wasn't like, you loser. No, the losers were the other guys hanging out in the boat, playing it safe. Can I just encourage you? Stop playing it safe. Stop waiting for all the ducks to be in a row. Stop waiting for everything to be perfectly aligned. That's never how it works. Have you figured out that the the people we remember, the people we talk about, the people we tell stories about in your own life, the stories you're going to tell are never, ever, ever stories where you played it safe. If you live that way, you will live the most boring life. No one's going to remember you. No one's going to talk about you. No one's going to have anything to say about you except that that guy played it safe. Who cares? Who cares? Can I tell our Mongolia story real quick? This is not in my notes, but in Mongolia, they're doing a great work. Some of Pastor Dick's spiritual sons over there, and we came along when we met them, and God's doing great things. Here's what I love. Mongolia has a poor economy. I mean, people are poor. You know what they have, though? They got a big drawing. Drawings don't cost a lot of money. Drawing. They have a big drawing of a a sports center that will be a gathering place for all the people. I mean, you know, in Mongolia, it's like 30 below zero for like most of the year. You got to find stuff to do inside. If you have a facility, you're a gold mine. People come to you from all over, and then you can impact them with the gospel. So they have a drawing. Well, with all this COVID stuff going on, a businessman came to Ulaanbaatar to do a teaching uh, conference. It all got shut down, and none of the hotels were open. This man had nowhere to go, but he ran into Pastor Boggy. 
Pastor Boggy said, why don't you come with us to Darham? We'll put you up, we'll feed you, uh, and we'll send you on your way. How many know that's just called loving people? That's called being different. So he just loved this guy. When this guy spends time with Boggy and sees the drawing, this man was sent from California, I believe it was, to Ulaanbaatar, which was shut down so that he could meet Boggy, and Boggy could take him to Darhan, and, Dar- and he could, in Darhan he could get to know this man and show him a picture and find out that that businessman from California builds facilities like that for ministries. Now it gets better, it gets better. So he writes Pastor Boggy a check for $100,000. This is last week, all right? $100,000. And then Pastor Dick wanting to do due diligence and make sure this guy's legit and it's not going to take over all the minute. You know, that money and control kind of go together. So he calls him up and they have a great conversation. And the guy says, you know, no, I'm not going to give $100,000. I'm going to give $150,000 because there's potholes and it's terrible to try to get in there. So we're going to pave the road so people can get to the church and get to the center. Now listen to me. This is how God loves to operate. But if you sit there and you go, oh my gosh, the economy is going down the toilet. Oh, I don't know. Stop it. You're cursing. You're cursing your blessing. You're limiting God. You're spewing toxic unbelief. All we have to do is believe. Draw the picture. Put it on the wall. Thank God every day that you have no idea in the Mongolian economy how you're ever going to pay for that. But God can send a stranger from California to write you a stinking check. So let me personalize it. What are you whining about? Or how about this? Just like the commercial. Well, what's in your wallet? You might not have nothing in your wallet, but if you have a God-sized dream, let God fill your wallet. He does it in the most amazing ways. God feeds prophets with birds by rivers. Are you kidding me? What is too hard for God? Here's what's too hard for God. Toxic environment. Remember God said, man, I'd love to do some cool stuff in your community, but so much unbelief. I'm just telling you, some of you are the biggest hindrance to the blessing of God because you're toxic on the inside and you're full of unbelief and you're cynical and you're critical and you speak out against things and you short circuit the goodness of God because God's trying to be big on your, on your behalf but he can't deal with that toxicity. Some of, you, some of you need to hear this today. Let's be the church that moves in the supernatural. Let's be the church that lives in the more than enough. Let's be the church that gets to tell stories like that. Are you hearing me? And not the church that plays it safe. Get out of the boat. I told you guys this at the beginning. Every what-if story has two endings. You either have the what-if that that's a ghost coming to kill us and finish us off, or you believe that it's Jesus coming to speak to the storm. And rescue us. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Every scenario in your life right now has two endings. What are you choosing to believe? What are you choosing to believe? Deal with this toxicity. I'll just tell you this. When we get untoxic, our marriage starts to rock. I can't go there. Now I'm going to get into marriage class. 
the less toxic I become, sweeter my marriage is. The less toxic we become, more supernatural power of God we see in our midst. Or we can play it safe. Be the church that makes sure everything's okay before we do anything radical. Boring. There's lots of places you can go on Sunday morning. That's exactly their approach. And you know what? You'll never hear anything about anything going on there because God's not doing anything there. What a terrible place to be a part of. Let's not be that church. Let's be the church. Like, man, that church is always sticking their neck out. Man, that church is going first. Man, that church is fearless. Yes, because we follow a God who's fearless. We're going to go first. We're going to act. We're going to lead. We're going to obey. We're going to seek God. The Bible says about Hezekiah, everything that he did in the service of the temple of God and his efforts to follow God's laws and commands, Hezekiah sought God wholeheartedly. As a result, he was very successful. Can we just be very successful together? Y'all, can you all handle that? Can we all be very successful together? I'm as serious as I can be this morning. That's our vision. Successful in the Lord. Number four, man, I'm gonna kill that clock. All right. First of all, hey, thank you guys for your patience in the parking lot too. I know it's crazy out there, but nothing's going to change in the immediate future. So get happy, all right? Believe God with me. <laughs> we did add some great parking lot. Hallelujah. Thank you guys for the excellent job you guys did. All right, enough of those public service announcements. All right, bold faith. I love this. Bold faith praise preposterous prayers. Preposterous prayers. That means we're not afraid to ask. And I can't think of a crazier passage in Scripture than Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua is confronted with a five-army, massive army delegation united in his destruction and the destruction of Israel. And God says this, I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of you will be able to, and a single one of them will be able to stand before you. And then Joshua did something radical. Joshua had an all-night march. The, tr- the armies marched through the night. I mean, you know, there's, there's endurance, there's hard work. That's called faith. When God gives you a word and you go, cool, and then you march towards your enemy all night long. I mean, you know, that's called bold faith. But when they showed up, when the sun rises, they show up, God sends confusion into the ranks of the enemy, and they start fleeing. And this is the prayer that Joshua prayed. On the day the Lord gave the Israelites over to the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord, check this out, in front of all the people. This wasn't a silent prayer. It was a public prayer. Let the sun stand still. Can we just let that sink in? Let the sun stand still. This is preposterous. Who prays stupid prayers like that? That's how we think, isn't it? Who prays stupid prayers like that? But you know what? When God's given you a word to defeat your enemies and the sun is posing a problem because it's setting, Just like I'm going to speak to that clock back there. Stand still so I can finish this message. All right. Verse 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place. Are you kidding me? 
It says later, the sun stayed in the middle of the sky and did not set as on a normal day. There has never been a day like this one before or since when the Lord has answered such a prayer. Now, this is what, what I think about you guys. Someday we're all going to be together. All the saints from all the ages. Is that going to be cool? You're going to be able to go, hey, my man Joshua down here. I'm going to go up to Joshua. Dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, tell me about that moment. Relive it for me. Okay, you guys were there. There's the armies, and you're kicking their tails. And then what did you pray? Yeah, it was awesome. I just asked the Lord, hey, stop the sun. And God did it. No way. And then he's going to turn to me and say, Pastor Ron, tell me one of your prayer stories. Well, you know, I asked the Lord to bless my grandma, my dog, the broccoli. Uh, are you kidding me? You guys are going to probably be like putting small groups someday. Moses. And then they're going to go around the circle. It'll be like get to know you time in heaven. All right. And then they're going to come to you. We got to quit playing it safe. We got to have some stories. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, hey, if you'll partner with me and the Holy Spirit, you guys can do greater stuff than I did. How many of you want some stories in your church? Come on. I want to stir up your faith. If you don't stick your neck out, you're not going to see anything happen. If you don't, why do we pray for healing? We believe God heals. Why do we pray for the restoration of marriages? Because God can change the human heart and heal the human heart. Why do we pray for supernatural provision? Because God likes to do stuff like that. How many of you know as fathers, you tell your kids, don't ask me what you need. I'm your father. I love you. I want to help you. The Bible says, ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour him out, overflowing on us. He's a good father. Why do we not ask? Ask him for important things. Does he not know your need? Does he not know your biggest heart you know, break or the place where you need healing? Of course he does. He's an amazing dad. Ask him. Pray preposterous prayers. Can I just tell you, we just finished all of this expansion and stuff, and then all you people show up, and now we got problems. <laughs> we got problems in the kids. Problems in the kids. Problems in the parking lot. Problems to the left. Problems to the right. Problems in the cafe. Oh, there are great problems. But we are going to move forward in faith. Come on. We're already doing all that, all right? And I'm just telling you this. When we believe God, God does the supernatural. He does the supernatural. Get ready. We're going to move into a fresh season of seeing the fingerprints of God on what we do. Let me end with this. Bold faith chooses to believe. The Bible says in Mark 9, 23, everything is possible for him who believes. Everything is possible. You remember with Jonathan and the armor bearer, he says, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win the battle, whether he has many warriors or just a few warriors. Here's the kind of prayers we want to pray and that kind of faith we want to have. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Now, how many know perhaps is a question? Because we're not God and we don't know the outcome. But here's what we do know. God is great. He can do it. And God is good. He likes to back up his name and his people. So that's the only two facts you all need to know right now in your life. God is great and God is good. So perhaps, 
Let's just believe the Lord. Let's just step out in faith. Let's just love people. Let's be extravagant. Let's care. Let's believe God for great things because perhaps. How about the children of Israel, Shevra, Meshach, and Abednego? This is what they said. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, uh, your majesty. But listen, look at verse 18. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, we're never going to serve your gods, and we're not going to worship that stinking rotten gold statue that you set up. Uh, we're not going to do that either, all right? Can I just tell you, we don't always know the outcome. And I, I want to share this because there's some people in this room. This, is, this message is really important. When we pray and when God doesn't always do it the way we're hoping or we have a perhaps that doesn't perhaps end the way we want it, how many of you know what I'm talking about? That's where unbelief creeps in and you put a lid on your, your, your faith with the Lord. It comes out of disappointment. Can I remind you this? This life is a vapor. And in the end, God says this, the greater the pain and suffering and heartache that you have to endure this side of eternity, the greater the glory that awaits you. That's Romans. You need to hear this. Some of you have gone through serious disappointment and hurt. This is what faith says. You know what, enemy? You think you won or you think you got the best. But because of the depth of the suffering I've walked through, on the other side of this is going to be a glory awaiting me from the Lord that's going to make that look like nothing. See, we're not playing just for all the marbles in this life. I believe I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. You know what else I'm going to see? Hardship, mistreatment, sickness, pain. That's part of all of this here. That's part of the world in which we live. Now, we're going to overcome all of that because of faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen? But listen, the fullness of the overcoming is, is coming. And boy, it's going to be amazing. So here's what I want you to do. Can we keep believing God? Can we keep trusting the Lord? Can we keep praying? Can we keep praying preposterous prayers? Can we keep praying for crazy healing and crazy miracles in people's life and not always limit God? Can we pray for those who have maybe gone through hardship this year and are suffering this year and it's not been an easy year, but you know what? How many know God is faithful and God doesn't measure what he's doing in your life by years, calendar years? How many of you know just around the corner is some amazing breakthrough and answers to prayer and healing in your heart? You may know what I'm talking about. That's what bold faith does. I end with this quote. I want you to stand to your feet. Hop to your feet. And I want to read this quote and I want to pray over you. At the end of our lives, our greatest regrets will be the God-ordained opportunities that we left on the table, the God-given passions we didn't pursue, and the God-sized dreams we didn't go after because we let fear dictate our decisions. Can anybody get an amen on that one? <laughs> Lift your hands with me and let's ask the Lord for just a fresh revelation of his goodness and kindness and that he would stir up within us that muscle of faith. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I ask you, Lord, where there's been disappointment and hurt, I ask you, Father, to move in right now with your goodness and kindness and demonstrate your great love 
for your sons and daughters this morning. And Lord, together, I pray that our faith would be stirred up. Lord, as we're winding down 2020, we thank you for your faithfulness. You've been a great God, a kind God, a good God. And Lord, as we're looking and setting our sights on the new year, as you would give it to us, we're believing you for great things here at Living Stones. We're believing you to move powerfully in our lives. We want to see more people come to know you, more people healed, more marriages restored. God, we want to see you blessing us uh, with more than enough so we can do all that you've called us to do. Father, help us get out of the boat. Help us to deal with the toxicity in our own minds and in our own hearts. Jesus, heal us from that spirit of unbelief. And help us to move forward now, Lord, in great confidence and great dependence and great reliance upon you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. May the faith in this place bring you honor and glory. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise.